You're listening to Unabridged, the Christian fiction audiobook podcast. I'm Alana Terry, bringing you engrossing, engaging Christian fiction in bite-sized segments you can take with you on the go. This season's Unabridged Christian fiction audiobook is Identity Theft, a suspense novel full of danger, intrigue, and mistaken identity set in the heart of rural Alaska. Identity Theft is written by me, Alana Terry, narrated by Becky Downey, and sponsored by the award-winning Kennedy Stern Christian Suspense Series, available in unabridged audiobook format exclusively from Audible. Visit alanaterry.com slash unabridged for details. And now, enjoy today's installment of Identity Theft, an Alaskan Refuge Christian Suspense audiobook. Chapter 20 Lacey couldn't remember feeling so nervous before, not during any of her theater auditions or college exams, not on her first date with Curtis or the night on the pier when she thought Raphael was going to propose to her. Sandy pulled Lacey's car into the parking lot of Sacred Heart Hospital. Take all the time you need, sweetie. I'll just take a walk and give my legs a good stretch. Lacey nodded. At least Anchorage was smart enough to spray for mosquitoes, so the bugs weren't that unbearable. Her legs were weak as she took one tentative step after another into the main entrance of Sacred Heart. Her stomach quivered as if her body was afraid she'd be admitted again operated on and sent home with meds that turned her brain to fuzz, but only took a slight edge off her pain. She knew Raphael's room number, but had to ask the volunteer receptionist how to get there. That's in C Tower, third floor. You can take the stairs or the elevator, the elderly man told her. She would definitely take the elevator. When she got to his hallway, her gait slowed even more. The incision site from her surgery throbbed. She took in a deep breath. She could do this. Whatever you choose, I'm giving you my full support. That was easy for Sandy to say. Sandy, who had made her decisions decades earlier. Lacey thought about her mom, torn between a safe man her family loved and a boyfriend who promised adventure, passion, danger. She had never imagined Sandy with anyone but Carl. She had turned down the safe man. Should Lacey? Curtis was so compassionate, he would understand. She had known Raphael for so many years, had waited for him for so long. She had never gotten over the pain of losing him. And now that he was back in her life, how could she turn away from him? especially now when he faced such a long road to recovery. How could she desert him when he needed her to nurse him, encourage him? They had been so great together, she and Raphael. They could look at the same painting and come away with entirely different impressions, but their differences gave them an hour's worth of engaging conversation. They loved the same things, art, theater, Broadway, road trips. The only drives she and Curtis took were to Anchorage to fill up on staples at Costco. The most danger she had ever experienced while dating him was traveling over the mountain pass at a conservative 40 miles an hour. But what was wrong with safe? That's the question she had asked herself time and time again. She knew she was still functioning in crisis mode, her brain still reeling from the accident. At some point, she'd have to address what Raphael told her before they crashed. He had made some bad choices, really bad choices. 
choices that cost Lacey four years of her life. How could she be sure he wouldn't repeat the same mistakes again? What if they got married and he did something similar? What if they had a child? She pictured Curtis's daughter, so cuddly and headstrong. Lacey would do anything to guard Madeline, and only imagined the protective instinct would be stronger once she had a child of her own. How could she forgive herself if she and Raphael had a kid they weren't able to keep safe? Safe, that same word again, offering so much comfort, especially after all that Lacey had been through, but so smothering at the same time. The bugs won't bite you if you live in a plastic bubble, but does that count as really living? She stopped outside Raphael's door and checked the number three times. Was she ready for this? No, but she was here. Raphael was injured. He needed her. Every other decision could be put on hold until he recovered. It was the only plan she had as she stepped into the room, but it would have to be enough. Chapter 21 he looked so weak lying on the bed. His arm was in a cast. His face was bruised and covered with cuts, a massive bandage taped over one eye. A nurse adjusted his IV bag and nodded at Lacey. Raphael glanced over. What are you doing here? he demanded. She stopped short of the bed. What are you doing? he repeated. His voice was gravelly, as if each word hurt his throat. I came to see you. I don't want visitors. Lacey held her cell in her palm. You sent me a text. Could she have misread it? The nurse came around the side of the bed. She put her arm around Lacey's shoulder, walking her a few steps to the door. His memory's not so good right now, she whispered. Head trauma. Maybe I should come back later. The nurse shrugged. It's up to you. He's not the best of company, but maybe seeing someone he knows will do him good. Are you a friend? Yeah, I thought I might cheer him up. How could she have been so wrong? You're welcome to try. The nurse pat her arm and slipped out of the room. Lacey went to Raphael's bed. Her steps were slow, uncertain. He didn't look up. I never texted anyone. Her throat constricted. I just wanted to see how you were doing. Well, get a good look and tell me what you think. Lacey knew head injuries could alter personalities. She knew there were tons of medications that could make Raphael so agitated. If there was one thing she had learned from her foster parents, it was that love was unconditional. She tucked the corner of her blouse back into her pants. I'm glad you're out of the ICU. The cheer in her voice was forced and artificial makes one of us. She took a deep breath, trying to remember all the good qualities that had made her fall in love with Raphael in the first place. I've been waiting to hear how you've been doing. He didn't look at her. Just peachy, can't you tell? I'm sorry this happened, she whispered, wondering if saying so would only make him angrier. For some reason, it all felt like her fault. The car chase, the crash, his injuries. No worse than what I deserve, he mumbled. She took a step closer. Don't think that way. You're not the one running people off the road 
I led them right to you. His voice was suddenly stronger. Don't you realize that, Lace? Can't you put the pieces together? I led them right to you. You had no way to know you'd find me in Alaska. He let out a mirthless laugh. I always knew you were trusting. I didn't think you were stupid, too. Why was he saying this? Why was he acting this way? I came to Alaska because the mafia put me up to it. For the first time, he looked right at her. His eyes were dark, like angry storm clouds. Are you getting the full picture now? She hoped he didn't notice the way her lips trembled. They told me they'd kill me if I didn't help them get to you, threatened my parents and brother. They said if I didn't help find you, they'd go after Carl and Sandy, too. I had to try something. Carl had told me about the phone call from the trooper in Glen Allen. That's how I knew you were there. The biking tour, the lifelong dream of coming to Alaska. It was all a lie. Her world was spinning. She needed a cup of water. Where was that nurse? He shook his head. I may as well have killed you myself and saved the mafia the effort. She was weak, hardly able to stand. She was so dizzy she couldn't focus on him. He was talking like a lunatic. Was it the medicine? Why had the nurse left her alone with him? Somebody would come check on them soon, explain again how this was all the side effects of the drugs. That had to be the reason, right? It wasn't your fault. She wasn't sure which of them she was trying to convince. He let out his breath in a frustrated huff. Have you been listening to anything I said? Jeez, Lace, get it through your skull. I brought these men to you. I practically held the gun to your head for them. Why? Her voice trembled. She glanced at the door. Suddenly, safe was a word that sounded a whole lot more inviting. I didn't have the heart to tell you everything at first. Couldn't scare you away. So I tampered with your car, made sure you couldn't make it to Anchorage without me. I was going to tell you everything on the road. We had to get out of Alaska, start over somewhere else. I thought we had enough of a head start on them. I thought I could drive us to Canada, get lost with you there. But I just dragged you into even more danger. I should have finished everything off in Massachusetts. I should have known they'd follow me here. It wasn't true. They couldn't be. But it wasn't your fault, she insisted again, as a gunshot ripped through the air, shattering her eardrums. Chapter 22 She was frozen, paralyzed. Somewhere in the back of her head, she felt her vocal cords screaming, but wasn't sure if the sound came out or not. Her ears buzzed, swarms of angry, high-pitched mosquitoes. Get down. Raphael's voice was garbled as if he were talking underwater. Her vision was blurry, like watching a scratched DVD where everything appears in freeze frames. Raphael's hand on her shoulder, stronger than she would have guessed, pushing her to the ground. She hit her hip on the floor, banged her head on the hospital bed. Shouldn't she feel the pain? Another gunshot. Why did they have to be so loud? A scream. Raphael's scream. She had never heard a person make that noise. Drops of blood splattered on her blouse. 
Was she injured? She couldn't feel anything. Had her entire nervous system shut down? She crouched low, certain the attacker would keep shooting. She wondered how small she could make her body, envisioned turning herself into nothing but a speck, a dot. Shouting, curses coming from the doorway. Was there more than one of them then? Another shot. This time, Lacey heard herself scream, ear-grating, soul-piercing scream. Terrified voices in the hallway, her mind projecting the image of the shooter into her brain, even though her eyes were squeezed tight. Get him out of here. An authoritative voice, strong, in control, someone she could trust. Check on the patient. Scared, she never knew so much fear could be packed into a single phrase. He's been shot. A nervous bustle all around her. Lacey stayed crouched in place. Got his artery. More uneasy exchanges, shouted orders. Raphael's hand stretching out for her, reaching down from the hospital bed. I'm so sorry, Lace. A worried nurse. Shh, we're going to try to get you through this. Where is she? That strong voice again. Stable. Safe. Joe? She couldn't answer, couldn't open her eyes. But it didn't matter. He found her, dropped by her side, and wrapped her up in his arms. Are you okay? Curtis, why was he here? How had he known where she was? Are you hurt? I don't know. He ran his hands over her. It wasn't until she felt his sturdiness that she realized she was shaking. You're okay, he finally breathed, and hugged her once more resting his cheek on the top of her head. You're safe now. You've been listening to Identity Theft by Alana Terry. Today's episode of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast is sponsored by the Kennedy Stern Christian Suspense Series. Current Audible listeners can get the first three books for just one credit. New subscribers can dive into this best-selling series free with your Audible trial. Visit alanaterry.com slash unabridged to download the Kennedy Stern Christian Suspense audiobooks today. Just be prepared to stay up late.